Well, that song by Imagine Dragons and that poem shared by James remind us that pain is real. And it typically pushes us in one of two directions. For some of us, pain actually has brought us closer to God. But for others of us, pain is why we're here and we doubt and we struggle to even believe if there is a God. Now, over the years, we've surveyed the city of Austin, asking the question, why don't you believe? And one of the most common answers is on this topic, why suffering? Some of the responses included things like, if there truly is a God who loves us, then how can there be so much trouble, hate, crime in this world? If God exists and God is all loving, why does he allow us to suffer? Or this one, terrible things happen to innocent people, especially small children. Or finally, I watched my mom die a horrible death from cancer. Your loving God let her suffer for three years. How is that love? This is a very important question because it's personal. It's not just philosophical because it really hurts when we watch people suffer, when we suffer. And we think to ourselves, if, if I were God and loved my children, then I would do something about all this pain. I wouldn't allow this suffering to take place. And so we're gonna step into this question, why is there suffering? We're asking God the hard questions in this series, knowing that for some of us, this might increase our faith, might help us be able to better express why we believe what we believe. And for others of you, it might be the very thing you've been wrestling with. Maybe the barrier to faith in the first place. Now, if you're here and you've turned away from God because of suffering, there's no answer that I can give you that will remove the pain or take away the hurt. But I want you to know this isn't just a theoretical question for me either. I've suffered. I've watched some of you suffer. The first funeral that I spoke at, I was 19 years old. It's for my great uncle Henry. And it was hard enough to stand up and speak, but once I heard my Aunt Lily cry with such bitter tears, it was so hard. The first funeral my children attended was for my cousin's son. He was eight years old. No child should suffer as he did, and, and to see my kids struggle to say goodbye to their cousin. There have been too many unanswered prayers for healing, too many funerals that I've attended, and I've been to funerals and even seen some of you grieve losing a parent or losing a child. And I've seen some of you just somehow miraculously come through that with a stronger faith and even the way you responded it helped others find faith but I've also seen people over the years who drifted away who never got past the pain I wonder why is it that some of us go closer to God in the midst of the very same things that causes others to go away from God now, our senior pastor, if you don't know John Burke, his story was coming to faith because of human suffering. He was watching his father die, and it was at a season of his life he didn't believe there was a God. He wasn't sure there could be a God. And, 
And actually, as he wrestled through why suffering, if there is no God, it, it brought him to really wrestle with this. Because in his mind, suffering makes absolutely no sense if there is no God. If there is no God, there's no reason for suffering at all. It does no ultimate good. It will never be made right. So it's purposeless. And he's an engineer, so his mind keeps worrying. And, and he started thinking through evolution. Well, why, if, if evolution is the truth, then, then pain and suffering is just nature's way of making sure that we adapt and the strong survive. But, but insects don't have pain receptors, and they seem to have no problem surviving and thriving. And if you continue in this line of thought, it's perplexing why, why suffering would bother us at all. I mean, we live in a, in a world where suffering is part of the human experience, and yet every time we suffer, see someone else suffer, we know that something's wrong. It bothers us, and the fact that it bothers us shows there's something else going on. I mean, again, insects, they don't seem to be bothered by pain. They can't experience pain. They're not emotionally distraught. They don't suffer from envy. Roaches don't become emotionally despairing, killing themselves. You might wish they did, right? But suffering happens. There's a bumper sticker that's far more colorful than that. But it happens. It's a fact. It's consistent across humanity. And yet we protest it because deep inside, we're trying to make sense of it. And so I, I want to walk through just a, a few reasons that what I see in the scriptures, the biblical response to suffering makes the most sense to me. And, and the first thing that we see in the Bible when it comes to this question of why suffering is this, that evil and suffering are not God's ultimate will. See, God is not the enemy. God is love. And love is his ultimate motivation for creating us and even for allowing evil, pain, and suffering for a season. And that's the key point. It's only for a season. See, throughout the scriptures, we see God's supreme motive revealed from the beginning to the end. God said to Moses in Exodus 34, I am the Lord, the merciful and gracious God. I am slow to anger and rich in unfailing love and faithfulness. I show this unfailing love to many thousands by forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. See, for thousands of years, God's supreme motive has been communicated. And, and sometimes we don't understand what's happening and we get angry with God, but, but the scriptures tell us that God is loving in fact, the first commandment that if all of humanity were just to follow would change everything. And that first commandment is simply this, Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. See, God's motive is to have a loving relationship with each of us. That we might experience his love. And through the prophets, God uses every human relational metaphor to explain his heart and motive. Jeremiah 3, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I looked forward to you calling me father, and I thought you would never turn away from me again. But you have betrayed me like a faithless wife who leaves her husband. See, God created us for love, and yet somehow he experiences the pains of a jilted lover when we ignore and reject him. And then in the New Testament, Jesus was described as the ultimate demonstration of God's love for humanity. 
his sacrificial love. 1 John 4, this is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, hundreds of times throughout the scripture, God makes it clear that love is his motivation for everything. So if love is God's motive, then why is suffering and pain necessary? Well, as we talked about briefly last week, the only way for God to create creatures that are truly capable of loving God and others is to create us with freedom. Last week, I, I pointed out that it's, it's not a fun experience to watch a movie of someone who's been taken hostage who falls in love. All right, it's not true love if someone holds a gun to your head and, and makes you say, I love you. Now, I, I shared this last week, and, and someone pointed out, actually, one of the most watched movies recently is exactly that. It's Beauty and the Beast, but it has different problems, right? It's a beast, and, and so, but most of the times, we don't like movies where someone who's being held hostage falls in love. We like movies that represent real life, where there's the pursuit, and there's the mystery, and there's the freedom to choose, See, you were created for a loving relationship. Let's just use this as an example. Let's say you got a robot dog. You, you wanted a, to feel the companionship that a, only a dog can bring, and it's a robot dog, so it never pees on your bed. It never eats any of your clothes. It never tears up your carpet. It's a robot dog, and it, it gets excited when it sees you coming home. It, it loves to go on walks with you, and it never tires, but it's a robot. And so it's, it's limited. It doesn't feel quite like a real pet, right? It doesn't quite meet those desires because you programmed it to do all these things. So you take the risk and you decide to get a real pet. And, and you don't choose a cat because you want a loving relationship. <laughs> so instead you choose a real dog. Now I have a, a real dog. Her name is Emma and she's nine years old. And Emma still, to this day, nine years in, is so excited when I come home. She's so excited when anyone comes to our home. She is just so excited, and she is just so much fun. The kids love her. Even I love her. She's just this amazing little white, fluffy dog. But you know what? There's a greater risk than if we had this robot dog. I mean, she does pee on our bed. And I think she does it on purpose. She's run out of the house, across the street. She's almost been killed. She's been arrested. We actually had to go get her from the pound as she ran off. There's a little mugshot of her I found on Twitter. There is a greater risk to have a real dog. And even now, the kids, every once in a while, will ask, my teenage children, how much longer do we get to keep Emma? What's... Is it, is it 15 years that she normally lives, 16 years? There's already this sense of loss, even though she's, she's still just nine. But it's even riskier. Say you're ready to take the risk and, 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 and not just have a loving relationship with a pet, but, but actually have a, a deep and genuine, authentic relationship with another person. But see, every sort of relationship has greater risk, but also has greater reward. See, as great as Emma is, she can't listen to me. In fact, I try to share my problems with her and she runs away. But you know what? She also doesn't talk back to me. 
See, there's a different dynamic, but once you step into a relationship, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's starting to get to know a neighbor or a coworker, maybe it's going out on a date, maybe it's with your spouse, or maybe even with your children, the greater the reward, the greater the risk of being hurt. See, a dog can't betray us, a dog can't abandon us, but people can. But here's the catch. See, even stepping out and allowing yourself to be loved and even to be hurt by people still doesn't meet the deepest longings within our heart. See, you and I were created for a divine love. And that leads us to the next point. See, love alone makes sense of suffering. Not even the greatest human love can fully satisfy our desire to know and to be known, to love and to be loved. God has created us with this capacity to experience divine love. But for that to be true, we must have an equal and opposite capacity to reject God's love, to disobey his ways, and consequently, we see that. We see someone like Mother Teresa and her sacrificial love, and we see the good that she was able to do. But we also see the evil of someone like Hitler, who chose to play God and force his will on others. I found this fascinating this week in preparing for this message. Some philosophers estimate that 95% of the evil and suffering of the world actually comes from human choices. 95% of the suffering we experience is because of the choices of other people. Think about how much pain and suffering could be prevented if we all just loved God and loved other people. Could you imagine a world, a world without pride-driven war, or business abandoned inner cities, or sexually transmitted diseases, or drunk driving accidents, or angry, lust-driven dads who abuse their children. I mean, could you imagine a world where pride and selfishness don't destroy families, where people didn't cheat, or lie, or steal, or gossip, or harbor bitterness? A world in which no kid is ever mocked, or devalued, or torn down. A world where every child had a home. See, the truth is human choice is the primary source of most evil and pain and suffering in this world. Our high schoolers had up on their wall here in the student room this quote. I said this, sometimes I'd like to ask God why he allows poverty, famine, and injustice when he could do something about it. But I'm afraid God might ask me the same question. I love that our high school students are wrestling with this very thing. In fact, today, there's a little table out in the booth. They're, they're actually raising awareness and raising funds for people who don't have enough food to eat. If you wanna know more, just go to the lobby to hear about their efforts. But see, you and I, we, we make bad choices, and those bad choices don't just hurt us, they hurt other people. And we are the victims of other people's bad choices. And oftentimes, we blame God for the evil that others have inflicted. How tragic is that to miss that loving relationship that God offers? See, the evil we experience in this world could actually be a catalyst towards driving us towards God rather than away from him. He loves us and he wants to free us from its deceptive grip. If God is all-powerful, then you think, well, why couldn't he just create a loving world without evil and suffering? 
It's not that God's not powerful enough. A philosopher named Peter Kreeft explains it this way. It's not logically possible to have free will and no possibility of moral evil. God did not create evil. He created the possibility of evil and people actualized that potentiality. Recently, I discovered this podcast called Hardcore History. It's fascinating. It's like four hours about World War I and that's just episode one. And there's six episodes and I was listening to it yesterday as I was working on the lawn, and, and it's just tragic and awful when you look at what happened in World War I. World War I, the, the war to end all wars was what it was called. And it was nothing compared to World War II. But in World War I, they went into battle with their 19th century cavalries. They were riding horses. They had swords and bayonets. They would wear white puffy hats right towards the enemy that had 20th century weaponry, machine guns. That didn't go so well. Cavalry does not do well against machine guns. And if you know anything about World War I, there was trench warfare where for literally years they would just sit in these trenches and they couldn't advance. It was a stalemate that just lasted. And in the midst of this, some of these battles, there were people killed in your trench and you lived next to this decaying body who was one of your friends. There were people in one of these battles that were literally drowning in the mud. It was just awful. And one of these British soldiers named Ronald Skirth went through World War I and remarkably survived. And he struggled to believe in God after seeing all that he saw. And then he says that he was able to kind of make sense of this. And he says it this way. He said, I realized that God was actually all right. It was we who were wrong. Why the bleep should God care what happened to us lot? We had brought this war evil into existence, not God. The reason evil and ugliness were triumphing over goodness and beauty. The reason for all of this was the wickedness in ourselves and not the indifference of God. See, I'm convinced that God is in the process of creating a loving world where evil and suffering no longer exist. See, this life is just the first chapter of the real story. God is creating a world without suffering. And if God is going to create creatures who eternally choose to love and follow God and thus cause no pain and suffering, we must start from knowing life without God for a time. See, the first chapter called life starts with the knowledge of good and evil as it says in Genesis but it's not quite heaven where God fully rules but it's not quite hell where God doesn't interfere at all but it's a taste of both and hopes that we will forever choose God and one of the remarkable things about pain is actually pain is actually a gift See, God allows pain and suffering for a short 70 years because it warns us, warns us that something is wrong, warns us that God is missing, that God's will and ways have been rejected and that we need God. See, pain is always a warning of something wrong. There was a doctor named Paul Brand who for years worked among leprosy patients in India. And if you're familiar with leprosy for years, literally thousands of years, Doctors thought that leprosy caused ulcers, caused sores. 
where fingers and even limbs would fall off. But actually, it was Dr. Brand who discovered that actually what leprosy did was actually created a loss of feeling pain. Something that we think would be good, right? Oh, I don't feel any pain anymore. But in reality, as he was working among these leprosy patients, there was a a man who had leprosy and a potato fell into the fire and he reaches in to grab it, unaware of the damage he just inflicted upon himself, which led to an infection, which led to so much damage. And he tells the story of how a 10-year-old came over to, to help him. Dr. Brand couldn't use the key to to open this lock and so this little boy comes over 10 years old he grabs the key and he turns it and he's shocked that this little fragile boy this little boy who has leprosy had more strength than him and then he looked down at his finger and saw that because the boy couldn't feel pain he turned the key all the way to the bone see leprosy is the loss of feeling pain something that we actually Think would be great if we just didn't feel pain, but Dr. Brand went from seeing pain as God's biggest mistake to seeing it as his greatest mercy. C.S. Lewis, who we mentioned last week, says it this way, if evil is present, then pain at the recognition of the evil is relatively good. But let's be honest. How many of us in this room turn to God out of gratitude for all the good things happening in our life? How many of us know people, it was, it was in the midst of the greatest of seasons that we discovered God. See, it's in the midst of pain that sometimes we're reminded, oh, that's right, I need God's help. Too often we take for granted the good things that happen in life. Listen to Matthew 16. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? See, God cares for you more than you could ever imagine. We miss the fact that God's thinking about who we are becoming for all eternity. He's preparing us for a life that lasts and for love that satisfies. See, in love, he allows a reduced pain for a short while so we don't destroy our souls, believing the greatest lie of all, that we do not need God. God, the very source of life and love. So what about the, cause, the, the evil and suffering we don't cause? Tsunamis and earthquakes and disease. And what if you go through those moments in life and and you've heard people with those pat answers, well, it was God's plan, it's God's will, or God's trying to tell you something, or maybe you did something wrong. There's actually a story in the scripture of a man named Job who suffered greatly. And actually the entire story is how his friends came to him and tried to tell him he needed to make some changes because God was punishing him. But what we realize is in the midst of this that Job's story is our story. Sometimes suffering happens because we live in a broken world. Chaos happens, but one day things will be made right. Jesus was asked a similar question. Rabbi, John 9, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? He responded, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. In other words, just like Job's friends who were wrong and didn't know the cause, sometimes there is no cause. Sometimes it's just due to the brokenness of our world. Good and bad people suffer. And things do not always go according to God's plan. But here's what's remarkable. 
God is so remarkable that he can actually turn our worst moments and somehow miraculously bring good from those moments when we trust him. God allows a chaotic world because he can use it for a greater good, the creation of an eternal family. Listen to Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. The whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Leads to the next point. See, this life is a birth canal. We're we're going through the labors of what will be a new world that he's creating. God has created a soul-making time capsule that we experience filled with all sorts of opportunity for second chances in these 70 years we have on earth. And now is the time for us to decide, do we want an eternity with God or without him? See, God promises not only to make things right, but to reward us for faithfully following him through the suffering. Mother Teresa explained it this way, and she saw a depth of suffering on earth. She said, in light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. I mean, think about it. What if, what if this year on January 1st, 2017, it was your worst day ever? Terrible day. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Everything went wrong. You crashed your car, you lost all your investments, you lost your job, you had to have a root canal. You were abandoned by all your family and friends. That was just day one of January, 2017. But what if the rest of the year went unbelievably well? You got promoted, you invented something that helped millions of people and made you millions of dollars. You were named Times Person of the Year. You fall in love, you get married, and you've never felt so alive and so full of purpose. And if somebody asked you about 2017, you would probably not even think about January 1st. I mean, think about this. If, if pain equals childbirth, which some of you in this room could give us personal firsthand accounts, that childbirth is painful, and it it is, I, I don't know, I've seen my wife and I've seen others go through this and I'll tell you about the other one some other day, but I, it is painful from what I understand. But here's the amazing thing, somehow women who have painful childbirth, actually once they hold that baby, they don't seem to mind. In fact, some of them even have another child again. <laughs> Sometimes the pain is worthwhile with what you get in the end. In light of all of God's outpouring of goodness, see, bad days don't seem to compare to the new life that we have as part of God's family, which leads to the last thought. We overcome evil and suffering by trusting God through it. See, pain and suffering come. And apart from God, there's no ultimate good that can come from it, but God promises he will bring something of eternal value when we trust him in the midst of the pain. Listen to these verses. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those 
whose spirits are crushed. And all their suffering, he also suffered, and he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. See, God sees you suffering, and he's there with you. He's there with you. When Paul was arresting Christians and having them stoned to death, Jesus confronts Paul and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? See, every person who has been persecuted in the name of Jesus, Jesus was there with them. Jesus is there with you. I remember when Caleb was three and a half years old, he had all sorts of medical problems as an infant, open heart surgery, and at three and a half, he was having his feeding tube removed which is a good thing. He'd made progress. He'd learned how to eat. And, and the doctor said, all right, dad, I'm gonna need you to hold your son while I pull this out. And I remember holding this little boy, trying to explain to him, this is gonna hurt, but this needs to happen. And his eyes got so big. And when the doctor began to yank this tube out of his stomach, he screamed. He just looked at me and said, why, Daddy? Why? He didn't understand. It was temporary. It was for his good. So when you and I learn to trust God, even when things don't make sense, rather than being bitter on behalf of others who have suffered, realize that Jesus is there with you. He can bring good from this. Revelation 21 says it like this. Look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will remove all of their sorrows and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. In the midst of the temporary pain and suffering, turn to God. He is there with you. You are stronger than you realize because he is there with you. Whatever that painful moment is that's kept you from trusting God or that keeps coming back to haunt you, in this moment, as the band sings this song over us, I want you to hand that pain to God. You can trust him with it in this moment. Listen as they sing.